Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to We're Not Fucking Historians, so titled because we are not fucking historians, we're just two people who like the crack and have chosen history as a subject we're going to have the crack yeah. about. We're not far off historians, <laughs> but we're not. I mean, it's crazy even the level of historian that we are, that even though we do a history-themed podcast, if you met us at a party or in a mm-hmm. restaurant, we couldn't really hold a conversation about history, and that's crazy. That's Not crazy. even on the, ch- on the chosen topic of Not even on some of the past episodes I've done. Sometimes yeah. I walk in here full to the brim of knowledge on a specific subject but the second I fly home as, as soon as the yeah. plane tires touch the runway yeah, I, it's like you know the men in black thing where they erase your mind yeah. I don't know anything gone Yeah, I'm Hazel Hayes I'm Shane Todd um, Shane Hazel I'm going to tell you some things today and I'm actually quite excited class so am I we're going to talk about Bram Stoker don't know anything. What? I really thought you were going to be like, oh, Bram. Dracula. My man. Yes, yes. Right, that's about it. He wrote Dracula. See, I'm not really a books guy. Okay. <laughs> More of a magazine man, if I'm honest. <laughs> More of a pamphlet guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More of a back of a cereal box kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know a lot about Bram Stoker, but as always, my mind is open. I'm a heart is full. <laughs> I'm ready to learn. I'm so glad. Okay, well, here we go. He was born in Dublin in 1847. Cast your mind back, if you will. I don't... What did Dublin look like in 1847? Same, I didn't know, but it was just black and white back then. Funny. His name was Abraham after his father, so that's what they called him, Bram. But he's trying to be cool. He was trying to be cool at school. Because, so. can I just say, any Abrahams listening? <laughs> nah, cool name. Nah, cool name. I'd like a full list of all the names we have slated on this podcast. <laughs> if I was called Abraham, I would definitely go to Abe quicker than I would go to Bram. Interesting, isn't it? Bram. I li- I, don't get me wrong, I don't hate it. I actually think it's kind of cool. Yeah, his mother was um, Charlotte Blake, a woman's rights activist from County Sligo who had lived through the famine years. Remember that, we're going to come back to that later. Bram also suffered from illnesses as a child that left him be- bedridden until about the age of seven. Why are you laughing at he was so- he suffered from illnesses? Because in those days, who didn't suffer from illnesses? <laughs> Everybody had illnesses. If it wasn't tuberculosis, polio. it was polio. They were all the like that. There's no, there's no recorded history in Ireland of a child just being all right. I'm sure they were. It just didn't get written down anywhere because no, that's not interesting. They were all sick and they all had like coal <laughs> on their faces. All of them. Up until about 1937. Filthy. Filthy children. Yeah. What did he have? Doesn't say. Bedridden. Hard to say. You know what he had? A shit attitude. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no oomph. <laughs> He'd now get up and go. Oh, he was probably, problem. He was probably bedridden for so long when he was known as Abraham and then someone went, you should call yourself Bram. Yeah. He's up, he's up like a son. Well, that's interesting because age seven, right? He's bedridden until about age seven, then just makes a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Probably Pretty about the time he changed his name. He studied mathematics at Trinity College and graduated with an honours degree. That's not actually important, but, you know, fair play. After college, he worked as a civil servant in Dublin Castle, which was home to British royalty at the time. Uh-oh. Are the Brits at it again? <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. And if you haven't checked out that website yet, you absolutely should. Are the Brits at it again? Dot com. Go see if they are. Okay. Spoiler, they always are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he's working at Dublin Castle, worked there for about 10 years. But during this time, he had a second unpaid job doing theatre reviews. Loved the theatre, did Bram. Yeah. So he did theatre reviews for a Dublin newspaper. He was also writing fiction and he published a collection of short stories called The Crystal Cup in 1872. He's got a lot going on. He was busy. He was busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved writing. So he had a solid job, getting paid paying the bills, doing writing on the side, which is basically what I'm doing. Well, he's making up for lost time, sitting on his arse for seven years. Yeah. You know, no wonder he was out looking for multiple jobs. I bet he volunteered at like, you know, local events too. I bet he was always knocking about in the high-vis. I bet he was one of those like, you know, those Red Bull promoters outside the event. (laughs) 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 Little flyers in a can, (laughs) tiny little can. Taking no money for it. No, 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 no. So he leaves the civil service after about 10 years working there. Presumably quite happy. 10 years. Yeah. Dece. Do you think he got a uh, gift to leave? Yeah, I think they did him a little fruit basket. Mm, nice. That's what it says here. Um, he leaves the civil service and he meets an actor called Henry Irving. So Henry had been performing in a production of Hamlet, which Stoker reviewed. And then the two of them hit it off. Presumably it was quite a nice review. They become busy mates. And I like to think lovers. Because I always do, you know, when there's two characters like that together. I, do, I like to think that they really hit it off. So Irving asks Stoker to come work for him at the Lyceum Theatre in London. Stoker takes a job and he's basically running the theatre and sort of being a right-hand man in many ways, possibly. Um, sending letters on his behalf, travelling with them all over the world. He's doing well for himself. Oh, he's come yeah. out of the civil service. He's got this job with Henry. He's now in the Lyceum Theatre in London. He's running the show. He's having a great time. So... During this time, Stoker meets an actress named Florence Balcom, who we're assuming was just a beard, obviously, because he was in love with Henry. (laughs) Um, She gives birth to their son, who Stoker names after his gay lover, Irving. (laughs) (laughs) Irving Noel Thumbly. I thought you were going to say Irving Noel Thumb. Thornley. Right. Couldn't read my own writing there. He's got his wife. He's got his job at the theatre. He's continuing to write. His son's been born. He's a good lad. He's got himself made. Is his writing at this point like well known or is it just like, you know, under the radar? Well, funny you should ask that (laughs) because he was continuing to write. He had his first novel called The Primrose Path come out. Then another short story collection. He'd already done one. And then a second novel. So he's really kind of going for it. He's churning them out and they're all very well received. But more importantly, he's actually starting to make a name for himself now in the arts. So he's building up a name in the theatre company. People are, you know, they're getting to know old Bram. Yes, old darling. Old Brammers. Sorry? Yeah, I said yes, darling. You Why? Know, 
Because if he was, you know, well, it sounds like he's moving up in the theatre world. I'm seeing him in a, a you know, a polo I thought neck. That just for the first time out of nowhere, you decided to call me darling. Just to oh, like, throw me, just throw me in the middle of my bit, <laughs> and it did. I don't have the face I could call anyone darling. I don't know. People could call me darling, but Absolutely. like I couldn't call anyone. Else I would it. call you. I'm gonna start calling you darling. Okay, that'd I be love nice. that. Okay. You being a writer, let me ask you a question. Sure. He's churning out these novels. Short story collections, you're saying mm-hmm. they're being received well. Do you think, was he touring round? Was he popping up at bookstore, you know, Victorian bookshops and things like that, doing a little bit of a reading? I presume he wasn't doing po- like a podcaster or anything like that, but <laughs> how how does the buzz spread back then? Le- leaflets? Yeah. Do they have leaflets? Yeah, but it must be so well, different. They had the books themselves, so they must have had leaflets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you think? Do you think they did books first, and then someone went, "I've got an idea." Guys, let's condense guys, this, this right down. Yeah. So here's where it gets interesting. 1897. He's now 50. He publishes Dracula. Right. So he's quite. He's quite far on into his life now. He's not. He's not as. No spring a spring chicken. A spring onion. I was about to say. <laughs> I mean, that's the Irish version of that phrase. He's no spring onion. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think in my head you've been using that phrase for years and no one's called me on it yeah everyone thinks that's just a funny thing she does but you mean you mean not I like... genuinely didn't know oh yeah. that's really enjoyable so yeah so he's 50 when Dracula comes out and it's basically the book itself is like a road trip comedy about a vampire trying to get from Transylvania to England with lots of hijinks along the way is what I understand of it. So fair play to him for like continuing with the writing, especially because it's on the side. Yeah. He's you still know? he's still running all the stuff in the theatre and he has a kid. But let's be honest, he probably wasn't doing an awful lot of parenting back then. Is there a musical equivalent of a guy who like, you know, doesn't have a head till he's like a good bit older and then you're like, oh my God, where did that come from? Where did that banger come from? I was going to say Tom Jones' sex bomb, but let's face it, he was huge before that. Yeah, he that. was huge. I was going to say Elton John, but just absolutely not. He was a child prodigy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no. Mozart. <laughs> so at 50? Yeah, no. 50. Dracula. Dracula. So... To be clear, Stoker did not invent the idea of vampires. I think a lot of people think that he like wrote Dracula about this vampire dude and he created this whole mythology and it was very fully around way before Bram. So we've got legends of vampirism going back as far as Babylonian times, which I did not know. I didn't know that they were that old. And they pop up in China and South America. So they're pretty common and extremely old, a bit like myself. Um, like we're talking way before JC even turned up. Yeah. Way before the big guy. Yeah. J-Dog. So no one really like knows where it came from, but there is speculation that it could be based on this medical condition called porphyria, which causes severe anemia. So it makes people really pale. There's an aversion to sunlight. They sleep a lot because they're really tired. It makes their gums recede. So their teeth would appear bigger. Yeah. And the cure for anemia, which is what this disease is, used to be drinking animal blood. Uh, I was going to say, from what you've described it as, could it be described as not a good look? (laughs) Yeah, hanging. Like there weren't too many stunners walking about back in the day with that look. I wouldn't imagine so. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've made vampires quite sexy in modern culture. Like they're these quite sexy creatures, but actually what I've just described there is sort of a goblin. Yeah. Yeah, no, not not a good look. Not a good look at all. So easy to see, I guess, where that would kind of come from. 
if if there were people walking around looking like this and drink literally drinking blood. Yeah. So in the 1800s in Greece, the belief in vampirism was really prevalent. Anyone <laughs> with red hair apparently was suspected and might have just been killed. Oh wow. Yeah. That isn't also that long ago. 1800s. That is like not they, that like long gr- ago. It's like Greece. Come on. Like 1800s. I wouldn't say it's modern times, but like that's a time where people should have known stuff. You know, if that's yeah. happening in the year 20, I'm like, well, I fully understand. Yes. Could you go to Crete now? I've been to I've been to Crete. And I got some funny looks. Anyone try and right? kill you? <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. I did wonder what the hostility was about. Must have been that. Um, so we're going to get back to Bram in just a second and all the ways he incorporated all these myths and legends into Dracula. Join us after these messages. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Looking for your next podcast binge? Well, look no further. The Offensive is a football mockumentary that follows Premier League club Ashwood City as their money-grabbing owner and his board veer from one crisis to another. Sounds familiar. Well, things are reaching breaking point this January as Real Madrid come calling for Ashwood's star player. Oh, and Patrick's going to accept €180 million Euros for Kevin. Wait, what? wait, hang on, wait. Woody, I'm just getting my dick out. Ah, fuck you and your dick. It's just getting my dick out, Woody. It's part of the negotiations. Woody, my dick. Patrick, these are the new work experience intake for the marketing team. Ah, uh, hi. Hi, yeah. Uh... The Offensive. Where the thick of it meets the Premier League. Subscribe now and enjoy more than 130 episodes. The Offensive is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. All right, so Bram Stoker. He's grown up in Dublin. He's a sickly kid. His mother was alive during the famine. He did a bit of work as a civil servant, got into the theatre, wrote some books. He's now 50. He's just published Dracula. He has incorporated all these myths and legends that he's heard about vampirism into the book. And he's based the character of Dracula on a Romanian prince, Vlad III, who lived from 1431 to 1476. Okay, Vlad may sound familiar. Looks like you're thinking, who's this Vlad character? I may have heard of him before. Vlad, who probably watched way too many violent movies as a child, he loved impaling 
There it is. I, I, I thought it was going to be stupid if I suggested it. <laughs> and I'm so gutted that I didn't. Oh. Vlad the Impaler. It's Vlad the Impaler. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is Vlad. He loved impaling his enemies. Yeah. Loved it. Rude. Bit much. Kick him on when he's done or <laughs> impale him on when he's done. <laughs> Absolutely. And would display them around, I think. Uh. Yeah, that's a lot. His father's name was Drac. And Dracula literally means son of Drac. Oh. Apparently. We're going to get a lot of comments in from Romanian people who say that that isn't true. Let's yep. just you keep them to yourselves. It's fine. Right, everybody can. You think go. we have many Romanian listeners? Quite a few, I would <laughs> say. Yeah, yeah. The Irish Romanian community is <laughs> large, I would yeah. say, quite, quite prevalent. Um, but here's the thing. Bram had never been to Romania. So he based his character on a real Romanian prince, but... Other elements of the story actually seem to have got their inspiration from Arawi Island. Yes. Lovely Ireland. Because yeah. he'd never been to so the, the whole, the place and the setting actually seems to have come from Ireland. So you may remember, I told nice. you, I told you we'd yeah. come back to this. His mother, Charlotte, had lived through the famine years. Well, she had told little, little baby Bram about all the horrors of that time because she was a nice mother. When he was sick and unwell and in his in his little sick bed, she would sit and she would tell him all the sweet stories of the famine <laughs> <laughs> and the atrocities and yeah. the horrors that had happened. Do you think one night he's like, come on, tell you know, come on, mum, let's have a bit of Harry Potter here? <laughs> but every night she tells the most harrowing. That's probably why he stayed in bed for so long. He was just paralyzed with fear. Absolutely destroyed. It's probably why he wrote fucking Dracula. He's scared to leave his bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling great. <laughs> Seven years later, I'll try going out. <laughs> the zombies will get me because that's what they—that's what they basically were. That's how they would have been described. Because you had these pale, deathly thin figures just roaming the land, uh. effectively the living dead. And in the first, the first manuscript of the book actually was called the undead. So it's kind of one of the first representations of zombieism in fiction. I've just made that up. I, I don't, I've decided it. That, but that—that's very interesting. That that could be. The famine could have started that whole thing of zombies. Potentially, potentially. Won't we claim anything? Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. We'll, have that. we'll have that. Ireland will have that. Thank you. Gobble it up. Yeah, yeah. We made zombies. Yeah. So, incidentally, can't wait for the famine episode. <laughs> and, and that's going to be a laugh a minute. Maybe that's where the cranberries song comes from. The cranberry song. Zombie. Zombie. There you go. I love the little web we just weaved. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So there are also accounts at the time of and. This, this genuinely is quite harrowing. But there were accounts, these people were starving of people like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm just really struggling to say because it's, it's true and it's real and it's really sad. There are accounts of people so desperate they, they resorted to cannibalism. So that got Sorry. a little snort. <laughs> that got a little snort out of Shane. Do you think, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but do you think, because it was Ireland, do you think um, when they drank the the blood of the dead that they Put a bit do you think of they let it, it settle for a couple of minutes beforehand? <laughs> Both acceptable jokes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Either way, we're alcoholics. There's a little. Oh. He- there's a little head on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's fine. It's it fine. absolutely fine. It was a while ago. Yeah, there's no more famine guys still knocking no, about. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Also, on top of all this, Bram, as we discussed. I told you we'd be coming back to it. He was a sickly child. Yeah. And the practices at the time would have been, one of the practices would have been bloodletting. So it's possible he actually experienced that himself. Like medicinally. Did you not know about this? They would bloodletting? Oh, darling. 
Darling. Um, with a lot of sick people, doctors believed that if you like let their blood, like shed their, you would cut them and let blood run from them, that it would like cure the illness, that it would, it would run from them, flow yeah. from them, which is obviously bonkers. That's like, um, whenever I was in Magaluf on a stag about four years ago and was really, really drunk and uh, a, a, a guy in a bar suggested I, I take coke to sober up. It's a lot like that. It yeah. feels like the solution The solution is more extreme <laughs> than the problem is what I'm saying. Yeah, I know you're right. Yeah, it's actually it a really work. good analogy. They would put leeches on people to suck the blood out of them and they believed in like the humours and how you had to balance them and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. So... It's just very, very likely that he had first-hand experience and was hearing all these stories and, you know, was very familiar with this idea of, you know, a lot of, a lot of talk of blood, I guess. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's infiltrated his, his psyche a little bit. And so he starts to write about it and he incorporates it into the story. But also getting deeper into the connections to Irish mythology, there is so much that connects with his book. It's, it's really interesting. So first of all, there were the she. So you've heard of a banshee. Yep. So Banshee literally translated as a woman she, female she. And the she were like a, a race of un, undead fairy people Yeah, is the best I can give you. So there's this sort of whole race of undead who walk among the living and they have to drink human blood to survive. That's an Irish myth. Right. And that goes back millennia. Then you've got the Irish word, Drachula means bad or tainted blood. Drachula. Um, tainted blood. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Sorry. It's good. And that actually usually refers to like a blood feud between, but like a tainted, like a, a fight between two families or something. But there is an earlier legend of a site called Dun Drachula, which means castle of tainted blood, where there was like a fortress guarding a pass through the McGillicuddy Reeks mountains in County Kerry. And according to that legend, the castle was and still is inhabited by these uh, like blood drinking, shape shifting fairy people. Castle of the Tainted Blood. Of tainted Blood, yeah. That sounds like the, a great <laughs> emo album. <laughs> so many things from Irish history sound like. <laughs> like a My Chemical Romance album. Castle of the Tainted Castle Blood. Castle of Tainted Blood, it really does. It's good. Like. It's, that's an MCR album. Yeah. Brilliant. So yeah, so there's that. So you've got that, and the, and then there's the big castle, and obviously Dracula lives in a castle. And you've got those kinds of connections, and then there's the hour talk, which is my absolute favourite. What an absolute <laughs> brilliant character, right? So this is a myth from County Derry, up your way, about a supernatural dwarf who feasted on human blood, and he was killed by this Irish chieftain. Right, he's killed, and he's buried, and then the next day he came back. Classic. Classic supernatural <laughs> dwarf behaviour. <laughs> More bloodthirsty than ever. Then he's killed again. Oh, he's buried sake. again. He comes back again. At this point, it's getting old, right? You know, oh, for just God's stay sake, fucking yeah. dead. And then finally, the chieftain gets this druid involved who had to bury him a specific way, like upside down with his head facing downwards. Disrespectful. <laughs> they must have had a good laugh at that. Oh, so disrespectful. It really is. Right upside I mean, down. He was running around drinking people's blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm not going to deny the guy's <laughs> behaviour was abhorrent, but... Yeah, disrespectful. I said abhorrent. I don't know if the word's adorant or abhorrent. Abhorrent. Or... Oh, okay. So there's still, to this day, if you were to go to County Derry, there is uh, a monument 
of the Aurotoc's uh, supposed burial place there. We should go. No joke. I was in Derry for a gig like very recently and I do perform in Derry quite a bit. The next time I go, I'll take a photo of oh that and God, send, send that. it. We'll put it out on the <gasps> podcast. We'll send it out. Put it up on the gram. Put it up on the, on the, the, socials. the socials. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. So the story was passed down for generations and generations and a manuscript was published about this legend. Guess where that manuscript was exhibited until 1868. Dublin Castle. Trinity College. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen that come when you said it wasn't, the Trinity was important. Yeah. Yeah. So Trinity was important. He was there uh, studying for a few years and it, that manuscript would have been there about the legend of the hour talk, would have been there while Bram was there studying there. So the final and genuinely, like genuinely kind of weird piece of this puzzle is that there's another story which tells of the Aurotoc's offspring coming back and just... They're re- always making comebacks. They're always... They will not just lie down and just be fucking dead, right? So yeah, so there's another legend of the offspring coming back, wreaking havoc, and then being buried at sea because they were like, this time... Yeah, we've got to try uh, something. Yeah, let's just try something different, try, try it out. This happened in Stoker's birthplace in, count- in Hoth in County Dublin in 1897. It was the same year Dracula was published. (gasps) So many things linked back into the one thing. Yeah, it all just ties back in. It's also entirely possible that the whole thing came from a a nightmare he had after eating some dodgy crab. Yeah. Yeah. One one report suggests. But but we're not interested in that report. We want this story and and that's what that is. And also, like, it's, it's fair to say Dracula was a banger. Like, he's knocked it out of the park with that. Absolutely. He's killed it. I mean, if we're still talking about it now, then yeah. To be honest, until you started telling me this, I, I thought it was just a movie. I didn't even know it was a book. Oh, there you go, yeah. It's now, it's so much part of so many movies and TV shows and has just had so many iterations. And yeah, this this was this was the first. Do Is there anything like dedicated to Bram Stoker in Dublin that you know of? Like, has he got like a plaque? I'll has tell he got you a what though, I, I pass by his house a lot when I'm home. He's still there? Well, no, the house is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're making it sound like you call in for a chat. Gaff. No, yeah. like I don't go around for a cup of tea or anything. But yeah, no, his house is still there. Has he got a blue plaque? I haven't gone to look. Let's get I him just one. Drive by. Let's Maybe, get him one. Yeah, if he doesn't have a blue plaque. We should but, get him one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. But that's crazy that it wasn't until he was 50 that he had that success. I know. Good for him. It kind of gives me hope. I will not, obviously, not read the book. No. I might watch the movie again. Okay, I'll watch a five-minute YouTube video about the story. There's very funny behind-the-scenes of that movie, by the way. If you're interested, um, Gary Oldman was playing Dracula and had this like huge. He had a lot of makeup and prosthetics and this huge sort of headdress on. And there's a very funny scene uh, where he he's just really cranky. He's just on set and he's really cranky and he's kind of just stropping about and having a go at the director And but he has the full uh, Dracula yeah. garb <laughs> on him and it's very funny. You can't be taken seriously no. with like the eight foot suit on and the big long arms when you're like uh, yeah. where is my Nando's? Yeah. Where is my Nando's? Which is what you say. You're every, like Gary shut up. Yeah shut the fuck up Gary. I feel like I have drank that knowledge in like our boy Dracula would down a pint of blood. As though I opened a vein and poured my weird. knowledge into you. No. No? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Too nope. far? Bloodletting. Too far. Next week in the book. You learned about bloodletting this week. I think that's huge. I think that's enough for you today, is it? Yeah. Well, listen, 
Thanks so much for coming along for the ride. Sorry if some of that got a bit gory for you. Um, wherever you listen, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a little, a little like, a little thumbs up, a little rating, a little, yeah, that was good. Tell people, you know, tell friends, pen pals. Yeah. You know, if you haven't hooked up with your pen pal from French from school, get back in touch. A biento. Exactly. But at the end, yeah. But yeah, we, we appreciate all the love for the podcast. Um, if you want to rate, review it, all that sort of thing. Email us. Hello at nothistorians.com. We're on the social medias. We are on the social, the various social medias. I'm the Hazel Hayes there. Shane Todd, you find me. Yeah, you'll find him. You'll find me. I'm like an Irish myth. <laughs> I might not be there first, but you keep searching, you'll find me there. Yeah. You'll no. find me there somewhere. I'm just going away from this, thinking about getting buried upside down and really being scared of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Just remember until next time, we're not fucking historians. See you again. We're not fucking historians is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.